Hi there. Welcome to Totally Fantastic Title. I'm Krista Wallace. So, if you're following me on social media, you probably know that I hit publish on Gatekeeper's Deception Part 2, Deceived. At the time of recording this, it has not finished going through quality control. But keep poking around on Chirp and Apple Books and Google Play, etc. And consider purchasing it for the audiobook lovers in your life. Failing that, you can always help me out by giving my books a review or even just some stars on Goodreads or other platforms. It really is helpful to writers to show other readers that you are enjoying our work. So please take a moment and make a comment on all your favorite social media platforms and tell everyone you know how awesome my work is because I'd really like to make a little bit of an income off my work, you know, because I don't make money off this podcast. Gosh darn it, don't you like to make a bit of money at your job? Anywho, we had to take the car in because some sensor thing was going awry. Matt called them on a Friday to make an appointment, and the openings they had on Tuesday and Wednesday didn't work for him, so he booked for Thursday. But by the end of Friday, the car did not feel safe to drive, so he took it in so they could have a look as soon as possible. Despite their having openings on Tuesday and Wednesday, they didn't get to it till the Thursday appointment. Anyway, the work got done in all, and the service was fine, but not stellar. When Matt was picking it up and paying for it, the service person said we would be sent a survey, and it sure would be great if we would give everything a 10 out of 10. Have you ever been told that? Told you're going to be sent a survey, but also told what answers to give? That's kind of presumptuous. The other service person added that, yeah, basically anything below a 10 is a fail. So the survey arrived, and we spent quite some time filling it out. And let me tell you, no category received a 10. How can they possibly think that every single thing about this experience was so beyond perfect that they should get extremely satisfied as a response? And in all the comment sections, we gave them constructive feedback on the service and added at the end, you know, none of this is a really big deal, but you asked the question, so we're answering. And then we gave them some feedback on the survey itself. What is the point of a survey if you're actually asking me to give you 10 out of 10 on everything? And further, what is the point of a survey being out of 10 if 9 is a fail? So I hope they do call and follow up so we can have this conversation. Believe me, I recognize how first world this problem is. End of... Well, it's not quite a rant. It's more of a... Huh? So you may recall, well, at least I hope you recall because it was only last week, Griffin's band had a crummy wedding gig thanks to Jason, after which she was handed a business card by an interesting person called Rickenbacker Topiary. And now it is Sunday morning. Griffin and the Spurious Correlations by Krista Wallace. Chapter 2. May 6th. I drifted into the music store the next morning around 10, in time to learn that my 10.30 student had cancelled. 
His bird has to go in for wing surgery, Brian, the store owner, explained as he rearranged small percussion instruments in the front display case, claves, shakers, and so forth. Just as well. I didn't feel like I'd be any good to him. Wait, what? I said. That was the most bizarre excuse I'd ever heard. I said he got called into work, Brian said. I stopped mid-jacket removal. Huh? That's not what you said. I wasn't angry. I was just confused. Certainly it was. Are you feeling okay? Yes. I drew the word out because all of a sudden Brian was arranging toy furniture in the display case. I backed away and hung up my jacket on my office door. How was the gig? Brian called. I stuck my head back around the corner. To my relief, he had a kibasa in one hand and a tambourine in the other. I guess you haven't checked Twitter yet this morning. I looked around to make sure there were no customers in the store before I said anything rude. I could hear someone's trumpet lesson going on in a practice room, but that was all. Uh-oh, didn't make a good impression on old Snifty. <laughs> we made a very deep impression on him, especially Jason with his drug and alcohol-induced thrasher solo. Uh-oh, Brian said again. I gave him the rundown of events. Is it too late to return the Telecaster? I don't suppose I'll ever need a guitar again. Ah, come on, Griffin, cheer up. There'll be other gigs. Everyone seemed pretty sure of that. Easy for them to say. Yeah, well, I need a new lead guitarist before I can even think about other gigs. That shouldn't be too hard. Put up an ad on the store bulletin board, he suggested. Seriously, Griffin, Jason isn't so good he's irreplaceable. Fair enough. Brian cocked his head. Do I take it Jason is also no longer your significant other? I rolled my eyes. Definitely an other. No longer remotely significant. Not that I've told him yet. Ah, uh, I'm sorry, really. I shrugged. I'm not. I should have done it a long time ago. Here goes. I went into my office and picked up the phone, speed dialing Jason's cell. Not talking right now. Probably hung over. Talk to me. How could I ever have found this amusing? Jason, it's me. I want you to get over to my apartment and get your shit out. Don't let the door hit you on the ass as you leave. Drop your key through the mail slot when you're through. Oh, and you'll need to find someone else to feed your fish when you go to your brother's next weekend. I hung up. Mrs. Osley left a message to see if she can change Dominic's lesson to four o'clock on Tuesday, Brian told me when I joined him back at the counter. He has a tournament game at six. I thought it was a bit odd for a hockey tournament to carry over onto a Tuesday, but at least he hadn't cancelled his lesson altogether. I was grateful for Mrs. Osley's emphasis on the importance of Dominic having music and sports in his life. And Jennifer won't be here today because she has a hair appointment. A hair appointment? Well, it wasn't the lamest excuse the teen had given for missing a lesson. She never practiced, and she skipped at least every third week. Oh, well, store policy was for people to pay in advance, so it was no skin off my nose. But then Brian went on. Yeah, she's totes getting extensions and blonde streaks. I tried to talk her into getting it bleached and then getting, like, purple stripes, but just, like, underneath, you know, so you can only see it when it's up. I stared at him. He was filing his nails as he went on. But she was like, no, that's too much, and I don't like the way the bleach is, like, hard on your hair and stuff. And I was like, okay, it'll look adorbs anyways. I needed coffee. Stat. I went to get my mug from my desk and came back. Are you sure you're okay, Griffin? You just walked away from me when I was giving you instructions. He wasn't holding a nail file. He was holding a stack of sheet music. I shook my head. 
Jeez, I'm sorry, I don't know what's up today. I gave a fake sort of chuckle. <laughs> Cobwebs in my brain. Brian handed me a stack of sheet music to file, then he went off to the storeroom to work on instrument repairs. I set down the stack and grabbed coffee from the break room. Anything to help clear this crazy head. I examined the stack of papers. He'd already sorted the sheets according to instrument and alphabetized them. Thanks, Brian. So I carried the stack over to the sheet music rack. Solo flute arrangements were on the top of the pile, so I leafed through until I had them all and carried the smaller bundle to the flute music section. I flipped through composers in the rack looking for Bach and discovered a bunch of trombone and alto sax parts. I kept flipping. Virtually everything had been misfiled. Who screwed all this up? Irritated as hell, I started yarding out pieces of sheet music and trying to sort it all out again. The bell on the door jingled. A young red-haired woman came into the store and headed straight for the books of pop songs arranged for piano and guitar. "'Let me know if I can help you find anything,' I called across the store in my usual friendly customer service voice. She thanked me, and I went back to my project. I sorted and replaced, all the while aware of the young woman singing quietly to herself. As I filed, her volume rose until I could make out words— the wedding was a bust, Jason wasn't very funny. And now you're in the hole, gotta make some more money. I stared at her, but she seemed not to notice me. I crept closer, sort of hiding between the shelves of music. You're not feeling satisfied, and I can understand. You're looking for a chance to play with a great band. Griffin, what are you doing? Brian stood over my filing mess with his arms wide. His quizzical expression featured eyebrows shaped like ski jumps as he stared at me cowering behind the shelf. The woman left the store. I slunk sheepishly back to the shambles of music on the floor. Sorry, I, I was sorting all this, but that woman was singing something really weird. Um, it sounded like Sarah McLaughlin's Fallen to me. No, it was something else. The words were about... And what the heck's all this? Brian went on, gesturing at the floor. You've pulled out every piece of flute music in the store. He was smiling like he thought I was a bit goofy, but he also wanted an answer. I looked over all the music. It was indeed all flute music. But this is great. I, I swear this was all misfiled trombone and alto sax stuff. Are you okay, Griffin? I dug some stuff out of here yesterday and it was all just fine. Please put it back in order. I nodded and knelt on the carpet, feeling stupid. I got all the music put away by the time my one thirty lesson arrived. Trevor and I sealed ourselves in a practice room, and I settled down to teaching him how to play a B7 chord. His hand was kind of small, so he had some trouble getting his first finger to hold down the entire second fret, but he'd get it. I gave him an E minor arpeggio progression to work on for a few minutes and went to the washroom. When I came back, I nearly dropped dead. Trevor was finger-picking Bach's bourree in E minor like he was Lenny Bro. I stood in the doorway of the practice room staring, horror-struck, at my ten-year-old student. When he finished, he looked up at me. What? I gulped air, swallowed, and said, What, what was that? He looked like he was going to cry. E minor, A minor, and B7, isn't that what you wanted me to play? I counted to ten took deep breaths, and wondered what had gone wrong with my brain today. I smiled at him. It was great. Why don't you play it one more time for me?
I shut the door and sat down. No more Bach, just arpeggios. I finished up the rest of his half-hour lesson, then told Brian I was done for the day. It was only fair. Jason still hadn't come by while I was at work. I put the chain on the door so he couldn't burst in on me when I was home and went for a nap. I hoped I would wake up with a clearer head that would not daydream odd things. At 8 p.m. I caught the train to go downtown. The address was handwritten on the back of the card, so I wasn't sure if I was looking for a house of music and pudding or somewhere else entirely. What on earth was a house of pudding, anyway? The street was more like an alley, narrow, dark. It being the beginning of May, it wasn't completely black at 8.52 p.m., but there were swaths of shadow between the patches of light from the street lamps. Dust and oil smells seeped out of the cracked concrete, and the boom of rail cars thundered from just a few blocks away. "'Why are you here, you moron?' I muttered. "'Even homeless people avoided this place.' I spun around at a clatter of cardboard and plastic. A raccoon ambled out, apparently embarrassed. But at seeing me, he composed himself and blamed the garbage can with a disgusted look. Fixing his disdainful, beady eyes on me, he shrugged and sauntered across the street, his dignity intact. I pulled out my cell to check the time. 8.54. Then the display light went out. That's funny. I pressed the button a few times. Blank. I had just charged it at home. Damn. Seized with a clench of alarm, I felt like my lifeline had left me. I overcame my instinct to flee and went on down the street, realizing I must look peculiar standing still like that to someone watching from one of the black windows above. I checked the address again, compared it to the one across the street, and followed the raccoon. 1160, 1156, 1152. The three-story brick building had no accoutrements. The list of tenants at the door indicated it was mostly an office building with some apartments. With the businesses closed for the night, any residents would have it mighty peaceful. Boom! Except maybe for the trains. The button next to number 301 was simply labeled, Occupied. I crossed my fingers that I had the right place. Wiping my hands on my jacket, I wished I had told Calvin or Jillian or somebody that I was coming here. Heart hammering, I counted to three. No, make it five. How about ten? And pressed the button. If it buzzed somewhere within, I couldn't hear it. A tinny, fuzzy-edged voice popped out of the speaker. Yes? Ah, uh, it's me. I pushed the pitch of my voice back down to normal range. Griffin, I'm here to see, um, Mr. Topiary? A pause. You sure? What? You sure you want to? A pause. Longer. Um, yeah? Why? Is there some reason I shouldn't? I don't know. Come in, then. Elevators round to the left. Thanks. The buzzer on the door echoed along the street like a train whistle in a tunnel. Nerves jangling, I went in. It turned out to be a freight elevator, one of those square girdered affairs with a nice view of the interior framing of the building. It creaked and groaned and scraped when I pressed the button, and I shielded my head from the monster descending upon me. The doors clanged and clattered open, and I tentatively stepped in, fearful that it would shudder and give up and plummet to the unknown depths of the building. By the time I was halfway up, I finally clued in that I could have taken the stairs. I might as well have brought a brass band with me. It would have been quieter. The lift jounced and shook and moaned like a banshee, and though, to be fair, it did deposit me on the third floor, it left me rattled and shaken. 
as it powered down the silence that replaced it billowed like thick fog. I leaned a hand on the nicotine-stained velvet and gold foil wallpaper and wondered why I hadn't insisted this finder of people and things present his opportunity to me on neutral territory. Or I could have at least gone to his place of business. This sure didn't look like a house of pudding. How was I supposed to be professionally aloof in my current state? I breathed and moved forward. My feet made plocking sounds as I stepped along the plastic carpet runner that preserved the flea-bitten red plush beneath. I peered round the corner, and there was room 301. You couldn't miss it. The numbers were each a foot tall and arranged vertically next to the door in bright orange numerals. I stopped outside the door and checked the time. Oh, yeah, right, not working. The door opened before I could knock. A tall, slim, Mr. Darcy-esque figure greeted me, his nineteenth-century trousers and jacket not incongruous with the coat he was wearing when I met him. "'Won't you come in?' Rickenbacker Topiary said. "'Should I take my shoes off?' He regarded me with one puzzled eyebrow lifted. "'That won't be necessary.' I followed him down the angled corridor and blinked at the bright colours. It was like the place was stuck back in the seventies with splashes of fiery red, orange and yellow in angular rainbows up and down the walls. The hallway widened into a living room space where a white faux fur rug obscured much of the red shag carpet. A mirrored desk sat just off centre and an expansive leather couch with a plaid throw across the back and lots of cushions rested in one corner, a glass-topped coffee table in front of it. Funky. Love the fur, I said. You could remove your shoes if you wanted. The rug is very soft. So do you live here alone or with roommates? Oh, we don't live here, he said. We meet here. Please sit down. Would you care for a glass of wine? Oh, I was still processing the we-meet-here line. Sure, thanks. He disappeared around the corner and left me alone with the faux fur. I sat gingerly on the couch, feeling just a little silly for having assumed he lived here. Duh. But who has their office hours at nine o'clock at night? Out of habit, I checked my phone again and was surprised to see it read 9.03. Weird. Part of me knew I ought to feel wary. I was, after all, a lone female in the presence of a man who was a complete stranger and in an unusual location. I kicked myself again for not having told at least my sister where I was going. But having said all that, I didn't feel uncomfortable. It was perhaps counterintuitive, especially given that my cell was acting up, but I felt safe, in control. My host, or whatever you call him when you aren't at his home, returned with a tray bearing a wine glass and a stoneware decanter. He set it down on the coffee table and poured for me. The wine was purple. It gurgled and foamed as he poured. Wow, that's unusual. What is? He set the decanter down and handed me the glass. Um, the wine. I've never seen foaming wine before. Oh, it is by appointment to the king. Where do you come from? Well, here. Do you want to meet him? Puzzled as hell, I said, who, the king? I believe I promised you an opportunity. I sort of laughed, embarrassed and definitely confused. Oh, yeah. Come this way. I took a hesitant sip of the wine as I got up. It was a little on the sweet side, but not abominable. The weird thing was that the foam on top tasted like whipped cream. 
I followed him through the doorway next to the couch and down a corridor. Several closed doors lined the hallway, and I half expected people to start coming out of them and crisscrossing the hall to enter other rooms. The red shag was no more. Here the walls were lime green and sky blue stripes with pale orange carpet. What sort of business do you do here? This, he said, pausing before a heavy door at the end of the hall, is where everything begins. Ooh, now that's a cliffhanger. It, it really was the best place to end the episode. If this were a book you were reading, you'd be able to just turn the page and keep going. So you have that to look forward to when the Ian print versions come out someday. Now, there are a lot of wildfires in BC right now, and quite a few in Alberta, too. This is such a scary time for a lot of communities. Please, please take care. Don't have a campfire. Don't light fireworks. If you smoke, please use an ashtray. Um... I've even seen this little, these little fold-up ashtrays so you can carry it around and tap your ashes in there and put the butts in there and then kind of close it up so it doesn't spill and you can take it to a proper receptacle. It's brilliant. Anyway, please, please be careful out there, people. And also, be aware if there's a forest fire nearby and fire crews are trying to fight it, please stay off the water. Uh, where they're trying to refill their water receptacles and and dump the water on the fire. And, um, and I just read an article where somebody near Vernon, B.C., is flying a drone. So the fire crews can't get into the area. Like, please don't do that. Just please be aware that fire crews are working their asses off to save our forests, and prevent fires from getting down and affecting people's homes and livelihoods. So just be mindful. Now, if you're enjoying my stories, please hit like and subscribe and share with your friends. Don't forget to let me know if you'd like to receive my newsletter. You can send me an email at totallyfantastictitle at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram as the Krista Wallace. On Twitter, at Krista Wallace, on Facebook at Totally Fantastic Title, and my website, KristaWallace.com. I couldn't do this without my family. So thank you so much to Matt, David, and Heather. Happy anniversary! And Maggie. Thanks, David and Sharon. And thanks to Phil Dirksen. Thanks so much to you, dear listeners. Now, go be fantastic. <laughs>